Thank you for joining us today at Our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in seven different locations. We hope that today's message encourages and empowers you on your spiritual journey and helps you grow deeper in your relationship with God. To learn more about Our Savior's Church and how you can get involved, you can visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. I want to dive back into this series that we began called Come Follow Me. And in this series, we're talking about the greatest calling ever given to mankind. The greatest words spoken as a calling to us because we often misconstrued calling as the thing that we do, right? If I'm a doctor, I feel like I'm called, it's my calling to be a doctor. If I'm an accountant, it's my calling to be an accountant. And all of those things may be true. Even stuff we do in the church, I'm called to be a small group leader. I'm called to be a greeter. I'm called to work with the nursery. I'm called to work with the teenagers. God help me. Right? And so all of those things, are, they are callings, but they are a part of a bigger calling, a primary calling. And it's sadly, sometimes we make those things the focus instead of the primary focus. Those are secondary callings. The giftings that God has given you, the way he's wired you, all of those things are amazing. But they are powerless and worthless unless they're attached to the original calling. And that's what we're talking about in this series, the primary calling, the main, the most important calling that God has given to us. And I want to read it to you. As we read it last week in the book of Mark chapter 1, verse 16, this is what it says. It says, one day as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, come. Follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. At an ins- in an instant, they left everything. These were men who had a job, and their job was more than likely a family occupation. Something passed down generation to generation They probably grew up thinking, this is what I'm going to do. This is how I'm going to live my life. And all of a sudden, Jesus shows up and changes everything. How many of you are grateful that Jesus shows up in our lives and changes everything? He does. He did, and he still is. So he shows up, and he changes things, and they leave everything. They leave everything they knew behind them to follow him. And for us in the room that are followers of Jesus... It was the same thing for us. When he showed up, he changed everything. And we had to leave some things behind in order to follow him. That's just the truth of being a Christian, being a follower of Jesus. There's some things that you leave in the past as you commit to follow him. And as we're following him, he starts showing us who we really are. See, they thought, I'm just going to be a fisherman for the rest of my life. That's all I'm going to do for the rest of my life. And though that's a great occupation and and some of you do it as a hobby, I am not a good fisherman. I I take my girls fishing every year for Thanksgiving and we are consistent. We catch nothing. (laughs) Absolutely nothing. That is what we do. It has become a Smith family tradition. 
But these men, this was their livelihood. They were fishermen. And all of a sudden, Jesus shows up and he changes everything. He changes it all. Now, this calling to come and follow him, that's the first part. The second part we're going to get to in this series, the being a fisher of men. But the first part of this, the primary part, is come and follow me. That is the great calling. And if you notice, he didn't call them to a religion. Like I mentioned last week, he didn't call them to a set of rules, a set of doctrine, a set of dogmas. He didn't call them to that. He didn't call them to come and try hard to be better people. He called them to give up their lives and to follow him. And in an instant, that's what they did. That's what they did. Now, we're talking about some of the practical ways that we can do that. As we're following him, how do we get to know him? Because it's as we get to know him that we become like him. It's as we get to know what he says, what he thinks, what his intentions are, that we can really obey him from our hearts. Last week, we talked about the very practical step of being a person of prayer what praying looks like, and I encourage you, if you weren't here, go back and listen to that message. We broke down prayer in some very practical, simple things that you can do to become a person of prayer. I don't know if that was an alarm or not, but I think we're good to go. And if there's somebody calling you, I say this all the time, but answer it, tell them they can still make it. <laughs> but this morning, now I want to read something to you about the people in the Bible that we read about. In a very key moment, it was the birthday of the church, the beginning of the church. And some of you have never really thought about it that way, that the church has a beginning. The church, what hasn't always been, it was something new because in that day and time you had different you had different nations that would worship certain gods, and Israel had their God. And so many people, for, when we think about religion in that day and time, religion was a nationalistic thing in some regards, that Israel worshiped their God. But then Jesus comes along, and he, he is God, and he calls all men from all nations, from every nation and every tribe and every tongue to follow him. So he wasn't, he wasn't just creating these rules. There was, a, and there was a start date of this moment as well, the birthday of the church, and it happened in the book of Acts chapter 2. So in Acts chapter 2, God sends the Holy Spirit. First he told his disciples to go into Jerusalem and to wait until they were filled with power before they went out into all of the world and made disciples of all nations. He told them to go to Jerusalem and wait. Where was Jerusalem? A place he was just killed. The capital city of Israel, or Judah. So he tells them, go back to the place that I was just killed and wait for me to send you power from on high. And so that's what they do. And while they're there in an upper room in the book of Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit comes like a mighty rushing wind. And above their head was what was, looked like flames or clothing tongues of fire. And they began being filled, baptized in the Holy Spirit and praying, excuse me, speaking in a different tongue. And nations of the world were in Jerusalem at this time. And they came for a festival there. 
And while they were there for this festival, they saw this happen. As you can imagine, there's 120 people standing outside, all of them speaking in languages that everyone there can understand. It was a heavenly language. And people from all of these different nations were there, and they're hearing these men and women glorify God in their own language. They're interpreting it that way. So they're there, they're drawing a crowd, and Apostle Peter, who just denied Jesus, stands up and seizes the moment. He seizes the opportunity. He begins preaching the gospel to them and sharing with them the good news of Jesus. And as he does, the Bible tells us about 3,000 people, about 3,000 people in one moment are born again. They're saved. They're baptized but now what? Now what? Now that the church has begun, now that this thing has happened, where do I go from here? Many of you last week were born again. Many of you gave your lives to Jesus and began the journey of following Jesus last Sunday. And, and I'm proud of you. I'm excited for you. Our church celebrates with you. All of heaven celebrated with you. But then now what? What do I do now? I want you to see what these people in the Bible did. In the book of Acts chapter 2, verse 41, it says this, those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. All the believers devoted themselves, don't miss this, all of the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. Now, the first thing they did when they believed, believed is they were baptized. Everybody say baptized. They were baptized. And some of you that have been around here for a long time, you know that we make a big celebration out of baptisms here at our Savior's Church. Because for us, it is like the, a, a wedding ceremony where you are publicly committing yourself for everyone to see to Jesus. Is that the thing that saves you? Of course not. When you believe, you repent, you turn away from your sins, you're saved, you're born again. But that is that celebratory moment, that wedding ceremony, that in front of everyone, you're saying, I now belong to him and he now belongs to me. That's what baptism is. And I encourage you, if you were born again last week or recently or however long ago, but you've never taken that step of being baptized, on February 18th, we're going to have our very next water baptism. Let's let that be a moment where you tell the world, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. So you can go public with your faith that way on February 18th, and you can, you can let our info desk know about that or take the connect card in front of you and, and write on that and let us know that you want to be in that water baptism. But I also want you to see something else. These followers of Jesus have something in common with us. They got born again, saved in Acts chapter 2. Jesus had already died, risen from the dead, and ascended to heaven. So they didn't have the same benefit that the 12 had because they were with Jesus. They saw Jesus. They were discipled by Jesus. They didn't have Jesus in the flesh the same way that we don't have Jesus in the flesh. So what do we do? How do we follow Jesus if he's not physically there with us? I want you to see what they did. 
they devoted themselves to a few things. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. What is the apostle teaching? Apostles' teaching. It's the word of God. It's what we have now as the Bible because we no longer have the apostles here teaching us, not those apostles. But we have their writings. We have their witness. We have their testimony. We have the things that the Spirit of God put on them to warn the church about, to teach the church about, to help us become what the, the bride, the mature bride that God wants us to be. Y'all tracking with me? We have that. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to sharing in meals, the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. Now, I want to talk about this one, the apostles' teaching this morning. That's the Word of God. They devoted themselves to the Word of God. I want to tell you a story. There was a woman who read a book that, honestly, she thought was pretty boring. She read the book. She didn't even finish it. She picked it up. And she thought, well, this, how many of y'all ever picked up a book that everybody bragged about and when you went to read it, you went, that's it? <laughs> For her, that, she had that kind of experience with this book. So she put the book down and moved on about her life. Long story short, she ends up meeting the author of the book. And they, and they end up starting a friendship. And that friendship eventually becomes a dating relationship. And then they fall in love. How many of you know she ended up picking that book back up? (laughs) And she went through, she wanted to learn everything about that book, everything about his thought process, who he is, how he thinks, why? Because she fell in love with the author. It's the same thing with us with God's word. When you fall in love with the author of God's word, you start to have a sincere desire to read it, to understand him, to understand how he feels, to understand how he thinks. Are y'all with me? The Bible becomes more interesting to you when you fall in love with the author. Now, something about the Bible, something about the word of God that I want you to know, it is God. Pastor, that's a big statement. How, How do I... How do you come to that conclusion? Well, this is what the word says in in John chapter 1, verse 1. It says this, in the beginning, the word already existed. The word was with God and the word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. Do you see how those two things, it seems like John the apostle is talking about a thing. He's saying the word of God was with God in the beginning and the word of God is God. And then he very quickly says, he Meaning that word is a person, and that person he's talking about is Jesus. That Jesus was there in the beginning, that Jesus manifested himself in the flesh, but then Jesus is still helping us understand who God is through the word of God. That is the testimony of who he is. That's how we get to know God. How do we get to know God? Through the scriptures. Through the scriptures. almost said the Apostle Paul, but Pastor Paul, kind of the Apostle Paul, very similar. But the Apostle Pastor Paul, this week at prayer, said something. He he was teaching on something very similar. But he said, the Word of God, if you want to know what God is speaking to you, pick up the Bible and read it. So many times we're wondering, what is God saying? What does God say? What does God say? I want to hear from God. 
The best way, simplest, easiest way for you to hear from God is to pick up his love letter to you and open it and read it. So I want to talk about that practically. How do we follow him by reading the word? How do we follow him in the Bible, in the word? If you're a follower of Jesus, this is something that you devote yourself to, reading his word, but then daily reading his word, taking it a step further and daily having that interaction with God. Now, what are some of the reasons, like we talked about last week, what are some of the reasons we don't pray? Let's talk about some of the reasons why we don't read our Bible consistently. Can I be your pastor this morning? Okay. Number one, it's intimidating. For some of us, picking up the Bible is intimidating. For others of us, it's hard to understand. Some of you have tried reading it, and I'm just going to tell you, you've gone to some very hard places to understand. And we're going to talk practically about that. If you want to understand the Bible, the first place you should go is not the King James Version of the book of Revelation. That's where some of you have started. And you're like, I don't understand this. Listen, there are people who have been studying the Bible for 40 years who don't understand it. But it's hard to understand. Or you say, I don't know where to start. Or I don't have the time. We talked about that one last week with prayer. Or how about this one? I've heard this one a number of times. Pastor, I'm just not a reader. I'm just not a reader. Now, I'll tell you the truth. These are reasons, but they're not excuses. These may be legitimate reasons, but they are not an excuse for getting to know God through the testimony that he's already given you. I wish I knew what God was like. He showed you. He's handed it to you. This is who he is. This is how, I want you to think about, think about before you were married for a moment. Some of you look at that and go, hmm, thank God for those days. If that's you, that's not me. My wife said, well, it's not me. I don't feel that way at all, at all. <laughs> but for those of you who do, we have counseling for you. Okay. <laughs> but premarital, think about those, that, that premarital state when you were meeting her or meeting him and you were getting to know them and, and you were excited about them, but you also had a lot of questions. What are they like? What are they, what are they really like? What are they really like? What are they going to be like in 10 years? That glorious hair that he has, will it still be there? That six pack, will it still be there? No, it's going to be a keg, but We have all of those, these questions. What if, what if I handed you a book and that book told you everything about your spouse, what they loved, what they hated, what, what made them happy, what brought them joy, what pushed their buttons, what really upset them. If I handed you that book, would you tell me I'm not much of a reader? Because if you would say that, then again, Pastor Paul is an amazing counselor. <laughs> no, you would learn it. 
You would, under, you would try to understand it so that you could understand your future spouse better, so that you can get to know the person that you're giving your life to. God has given us this book to help us understand not only who he is, but listen to me, look up here, to help us understand who we are. There's so many lies that we believe about ourselves that would be destroyed if we simply believed what God said about us. Some of you have not even been introduced to yourself yet. Some of you haven't met yourself yet. You haven't met the real you that God has created you to be. Because you're stuck in all of the past and the shame and the guilt and the lies and what mom said about me and what dad said about me and what my, what my junior high school coach said about me. And I'm trying to get out of those things. And what you haven't discovered yet is who the person that created you says you are. And you don't get to fully understand that until you start to understand what his word says about you. And listen, I believe in the prophetic. I believe in prophetic gifts and we prophesy and we, we some, a lady came up to me last week and said, Pastor, I'm so glad to hear that y'all pray in tongues. We do, we pray in tongues, I pray in tongues every day of my life, every day of my life. But we also believe in doing things decently and in order. Okay, and so we will operate in the gifts of the Spirit, and we're going to see God by His power begin to release that in our church more and more and more. But I want you to make no mistake about it. Every one of those things has to be submitted to what this Word says. It has to be submitted to the Word of God. And God's Word, God's word shows us who we are. God's Word tells us who we are. God's word tells us, you may get a word that tells you what's going to happen in the next five years. God's word tells you that if you follow him, what your eternity is going to look like. So we read his word. We trust his word. Well, pastor, how do I do that? I want to give you some very practical steps of how to grow in reading the word of God. Last year, Pastor Chris Hodges came and he spoke to us at Church of the Highlands, incredible church in Birmingham, Alabama. But he gave our church a challenge. And that's the very first challenge I want to give you. Last week, I challenged you to, to pray for 10 minutes a day. And I hope you've taken that challenge. And if you haven't, you can start today. Just 10 minutes. But I also want to encourage you to start your day by reading the Word of God for five minutes. Just commit five minutes a day to reading God's word. Don't try to start off and go, okay, pastor, every day I'm reading God's word for two and a half hours. Don't start there. If you have the margin and time and go for it, great. But I encourage you to take a very practical step of reading God's word for five minutes a day. It's very practical. Well, pastor, I don't have a Bible. Listen, we, we will give you a Bible. If you don't have a Bible, we will give you a Bible. But then also, I want to show you a very practical tool. It's called the YouVersion app. Many of you have that. And you can, we're going to put it up right there. You can go to Bible.com forward slash app. And it's a free Bible that you can download on your phone, on your iPad, your computer, whatever. And it will actually read the Bible. For some of you, like you, have, you do, you struggle with reading. It will read the Bible to you. You can have James Earl Jones read the Bible to you. Come on, somebody. 
You think Revelation is scary? Try having Darth Vader read it to you. (laughs) But either way, I I, I encourage you to commit to five minutes in God's Word. And eventually, even after hearing it, eventually you're going to start to pick it up and read it. There was a great man by the name of, in, in, I believe it was the 1800s, named Smith Wigglesworth. And Smith Wigglesworth, a healing evangelist, God would use him to heal the sick in, in very powerful ways. He was an uneducated plumber, and he couldn't read. And the moment that Jesus saved him, all of a sudden, God gave him the ability to read. And the only book he ever read was the Word of God. Only book he ever read. So if God can do that to a plumber in the 1800s, he can do that to you today. Especially with his sincere desire for you to know him in this book. So that's the very first practical step. Number two, I kind of alluded to it earlier, but I want you to find a translation that you actually understand. Pastor, what's the best translation of the Bible? Well, how about we start with the one you understand? Let's let that be the starting place, the one that you understand. Again, if you're trying to read King James and you don't understand it, don't read that. If you're trying to read the ESV and you don't understand that, don't read that. I'll tell you the one that I recommend for you and the one that I often preach out of. It's the New Living Translation. The New Living Translation has a very simple language for us to understand. I encourage you, start with that. Start reading that translation. Third thing, if you don't know where to start, start with the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John. The four, the four books of the uh, Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, were all written by different authors to a different audience. But the audience that was written by, that John was writing it to was to the whole world. So that he was making this point that Jesus Christ is God. So if you want to know Jesus is God, pick up the book of John. Not 1st, 2nd, or 3rd John. The gospel of John. And start to get to know this man's testimony who saw Jesus do these things. He watched Jesus. He slept next to Jesus. He knew Jesus. Read his testimony of who Jesus is. Are y'all with me? Now, here's one that's a little bit different. Get some good tools to help. Get some good tools to help. If you're a seasoned believer here and you're listening to me preach this and you already have a consistent diet of God's word, you're probably hearing this going, Pastor, I know all of this. Well, let me encourage you to take it a step further because we will have God's word for all of eternity. And there will be things that God is revealing to us all throughout eternity about who he is. And I believe even about what his word says. But let me say this. If, you, if that is you, I encourage you, get a good Bible commentary. Well, that's what I mean by tools. Get a good Bible commentary that can help you understand the context of what you're reading. Let me tell you something. The Bible was not written to you. Do you know that? Most of you don't. The Bible wasn't written to you. 
The Apostle Paul was not sitting down in prison going, T-Boy from Catahoula needs to hear this. <laughs> there was a specific audience that the Bible was written to. And he wrote it to them. It wasn't written to us, but it was definitely written for us. It was written for our benefit. And we, we glean a lot more from the word of God when we understand the context and who was saying what to, why, to what, who and why. So that's where commentaries can help you. And they're great ones by D.A. Carson or Craig Keener or Gordon Fee. Some of the ones that I love personally are, and you can write these down if you want to come up to me afterwards, I'll tell you some of the commentaries that I enjoy. C. Marvin Pate, John Stott, Richard Longnecker. I'm glad that's not my last name. <laughs> Chuck Smith, David Gussick. These are great men that God has gifted as teachers in the body of Christ to help us understand the context of the Bible. Y'all tracking with me? And if you're a newer believer, listen, don't go out and buy those commentaries. Let me give you something very simple as well. Very, very practical and very simple. Go, before you get ready to read a book of the Bible, you'll probably never hear a pastor say this, but go to YouTube. But Google, not, not Google, in the YouTube search, search the name of the book that you're getting ready to read and then put Bible Project. Let me be very specific because there's a lot of people with a lot of weird opinions about the Bible on YouTube. So I'm giving you a very, very specific. YouTube that book of the Bible and then right after that search Bible Project. So if it's the book of Nehemiah, Nehemiah Bible Project. And what will happen is you'll see this cartoon. Come on, for all of the children at heart. And it takes about five minutes, six minutes, seven minutes. And it gives you the context of who wrote it, who he was writing it to, and why he was writing the book. So look at that before you go into reading those chapters of the Bible. Very practical, very simple to help you understand the context of the Bible. And then lastly, journal or write down what you're learning and share it. Cody, you can come on up. Journal, write down what you're sharing. If you have, whether it's a physical Bible, which I encourage all of you to have, or the YouTube Bible, either way, highlight when God speaks something to you. There will be moments when you're reading the Bible and the words on that page will jump off of the page and it will be as if God is sitting in your living room, drinking coffee with you, telling you something. When that happens, highlight that. Make notes about that, rather than the different books. Some of you write in your Bible, that's okay. Some of you, your Bible looks like a rainbow, yellow, purple, green, it's all there. But as God speaks to you, write those things down because you can go back to those things and remember, God, you spoke this to me. You spoke, this was a promise that you spoke. I understood this differently that day. And also, some of you are in Come Follow Me small groups. Others of you will jump in. Many of you will jump in our small groups on February 4th. That's a great place for you to talk about the things that God is showing you and to process the things God is showing you with others. Because as we're going to talk about next week, one of the things that you need to know about following Jesus is he didn't call you to follow him by yourself. He calls you into a family. He led a group of disciples that followed him. 
So I encourage you, as he's speaking to you, process those things with your small group. Process those things with other godly relationships in your life. What does that, what does that do? It solidifies in your heart the things that he's already spoken to you, that he's taught you. I'll tell you this as a pastor. I learn a lot more by teaching you. I learn a lot in my preparation for giving to you. I'm learning. And it's going deeper in my heart because I'm processing it with others and I'm processing it with you. That is how we grow in the knowledge of God's word. And lastly, what happens, pastor, as I read God's word? Why? What happens to me as I commit to reading God's word? I'm so glad you asked. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world. Don't miss this. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Where do we learn God's will? From his word. And as we're learning God's will, what's happened? He's renewing your mind. People say, man, going to church brainwashed you. Yep. My brain had all kind of dirt in there that needed to come out. All kind of dirt. So commit to reading God's word. Just start with five minutes a day. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for your people. Thank you for your word. And thank you for the calling, the beckoning call to come and to follow you. As we are going down this journey, transform us by your word. Lord, trans get rid of some of the, the old junk that's been in there. Get rid of the lies and the accusations against who they are. Get rid of the lies and the accusations, God, with the enemy's seeds he's put in us since childhood. Lord, pull those things out and help us see the truth because your word, Jesus, you told us that you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. Make us free by the truth of your word. Wash our minds. Wash us with the cleansing of your word as we yield to become like you. And church, while we're here in this moment of prayer, I don't want to miss this moment, miss the opportunity for some of you to answer the call to come and follow him. Because I'm talking about those who've made the call, the decision, you've crossed over the line, you've already said I'm going to, but for some of you, you've never done that. You've never made that commitment. And I'm talking about what the Bible calls, what Jesus called being born again. He told a, a religious leader that you can't see the kingdom of heaven unless you're first born again. And pastor, what does that mean? It is exactly how it sounds. The old you dies and the new you comes to life as you follow him. He fills you with his spirit. And his process is simple as ABC, A, you admit. Admit that you're a sinner. Admit the sin and the separation in your life 
between you and God. Admit that. Be honest about that. But then B, believe. Believe what? That God sent Jesus to die on the cross for that sin. That he already has the solution to the problems of your life, the sin problem in your life. But then C, you confess. You confess that he is now the Lord of your life. And that you're going to follow him. That you're committing to follow him. So with no one looking around, on the count of three, if that's you, if you say, Pastor, that's me, I want to make that commitment to follow Jesus. I'm not going to embarrass you. I want to acknowledge you. If that's you, on the count of three, I want you to lift up your hand. One, two, three. Lift up your hand. If that's you, thank you. Lift it up high. Don't be ashamed. Don't be embarrassed. Lift it up high. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Praise God. Thank you. I see your hand back there. Anyone else? Praise God. You can put them down. Church, I want you to pray this prayer out loud with me. And there's nothing magical about the prayer. It's our prayer of surrender to God and our commitment to follow him. Say, dear Lord Jesus, I believe that you are the son of God. I believe on the cross you died for my sin, for my guilt, and for my shame. I believe you faced hell so I would not have to and you rose again from the dead to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth, and a relationship with the Father. I repent of my sin, and I commit to follow you. I am yours. And from this moment on, God, you are my Father. Jesus, you're my Lord and Savior. Holy Spirit, you're my helper. And heaven is now my home. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, church, let's celebrate with every person that prayed that prayer. Yeah. So welcome to the family of God. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. I'm going to pray a prayer of blessing over you all. But if you prayed that prayer today to be born again and you're wondering, what now? I'm following Jesus. What now? Keep coming. Keep learning what it means to be a follower of Jesus and tell someone about the decision that you made. You can do that by scanning the QR code on our screen. You can do that by filling out the blue connect card or you can simply tell someone, I pray today to be born again. Now what? And we'll have people in the foyer, people at InfoDesk that can help you. And then lastly, our prayer team will be here up front if you need prayer for anything. And I will see you guys at Spiritual Renewal this week. Also, lastly, many of you purchased that book, um, on uh, the spiritual disciplines, the life you've always wanted. We have a few left. If you still want to purchase those, you can see us in the old coffee shop after service. Let me pray a prayer of blessing. Father, I pray that you bless your people, your children. I pray that you would give them peace. You would give them grace. That you would make your face to shine on them. That you would bless them in their going out and in their coming in. And that everything that they put their hands to for the sake of your kingdom would be blessed and prosper. And as a church, I pray we would be a pure church who walks in the fear of the Lord. That we would be a powerful church full of the power of the Holy Spirit. And we would be a persistent church even in the face of challenges. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen.